capital of the world. Bring your lunch. It's the T.C. Martin Show. With a flex of the muscles. Diagnosis. Look at that. Oh, my goodness. Prognosis. So he does a lot of things out on the floor, including dunk. Osmosis. Wow, he can really bounce off the floor. It's the doctor. <laughs> We got a lot to unpack here today. Last night's Golden Knights loss in OT to the Colorado Avalanche. Don't despair, Golden Knights fans, because now Colorado did what they're supposed to do. They won their both games on home ice. Golden Knights, they'll get their opportunity in front of 18,000 screaming maniacs. You, You or two or three of you guys could be one of them. There you go. Tomorrow night and Sunday games three and four. We'll dive into that today. Tracy Murray will join us as we talk NBA playoffs. Two very good games tonight. Highly contested games out in the West. The Suns taking on the Lakers and the Blazers and the Nuggets. We'll talk to Tracy Murray, the former NBA champion, the sharpshooter, of course, the pride of UCLA, and also does a great job as part of the UCLA Bruins basketball radio network so he will join us today so a lot to do and a lot to talk about and then there is vgk frank ready to roll what's going on my man yeah you know just uh watched last night's game along with some uh basketball action and other things that were going on as well uh met up with a couple friends uh thought it was a good game thought it was exciting thought it was nail biting and uh you know it's it's interesting in a game that's a 3-2 game like that I have to give kudos to the media for picking the stars of the game at the end, at least the ones that they listed, because although it was a 3-2 game, both goaltenders were two of the three stars of the game. And again, neither one of them faced a ton of shots, but I thought the goaltending was superb there. And now you understand why two of the three Vesna finalists are in this series here. Mm-hmm. You know, Grubauer and Fleury were both very good. All right. When you say nail-biting, did you actually see anyone biting their nails? I heard people saying a lot of stupid stuff, <laughs> reminding me of why a lot of people don't know anything about hockey that watch the games and that. But boy, they sure talk about it adamantly, like they know exactly what's going on. But so you I, went to a public venue, and then you, you know you had beer flowing and food flowing, and probably a lot of you know non-hockey people there. I understand. Well, yeah, they're fans. Well, but 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 they think they are hockey people, you know. So, but but again, you know, as long as you're enjoying the game and that sort of stuff, but um, you know, and then you had people afterwards saying how the refs screwed them and they, you know, oh, they were cheated and they gave that game to Colorado. I I, I don't think they'd have been saying that if Vegas would have scored on the power play chance that they had at yeah. the end of the third yeah. when they got a call and had the power play for essentially the same thing that Colorado just had happened to them on a breakaway in front of the net that wasn't called. Now Colorado's penalty was a little bit more egregious, but. You know, it's the bottom line is, and whether you like the call or not, and is it normally called at this time of the playoffs? Maybe not. But you have to remember payback and evening things up, too. And Colorado was upset that they didn't get the call and then had to kill a penalty. Bottom line is, you've got to kill that power play. Well, you've do- got to kill the penalty. It doesn't help when your head coach is, is crying the way he's crying. And of course, that is going to bring fans in. To echo his sentiments as well, too. And well, especially when the head coach is the guy and said that, oh, they're embellishing and they're doing. Right. He, he was the coach of the Sharks during the one thing Vegas fans don't want to hear about the major, not a major. 
you benefited from that exact same thing against this team a few years ago. But I think a lot of people don't realize that Peter DeBoer has always been kind of a complainer, even when he was the coach of the Sharks. And you know, some they coaches, coaches are, some coaches try to buy calls in they that, do. and they, they basically do. play it up. Yeah. But he and, thinks and you that, can't fault a coach for that. You know, I don't fault a coach for that. If he wants to whine and cry or he wants to work calls or whatever, I mean that that's one thing. That's that's all part of of the game. That's all part of the game. I fault him when they do to the extent where all of a sudden the officials it actually hurts the team instead of helps them because the officials are like they don't even they just tune you out. They don't even right. listen anymore. Right. When it becomes a negative and it's not helping the team, yeah, I mean, maybe it'll be interesting in this next game. Do we see Vegas get it? I thought the referees did a pretty good job of swallowing their whistles for the most part. I thought there were some penalties that could have been called in the game that weren't. Now, obviously, again, Golden Knights are, well, they had six power plays and we had three. Yeah, did you see how you guys played that first period? Right, right. They, they, Vegas was horrible yeah. at the start of that period, given Colorado the power plays. Mm-hmm. They committed penalties that had to be called. But again... They had the power play at the end of the third. They had the golden opportunity, pardon the pun, to win the game. They didn't get it done. It's such an easy way to go with the excuse train when you say, okay, well, you know, you know, they, you know, this is a, this is a payback or this is a makeup or, and that sort of thing. And I've never been one to to be in conspiracy theory mode. You know that, but again, I, I, when you look at these situations, these officials do not have that in their brain, especially at this time of the year, knowing that everything means so much. I mean, every call, and you do have the better officials that are doing these games as well too. So people that want to knock the officials or say, well, they didn't call that, but they called that one, or now Vegas is going to get, get a makeup call or vice versa, you got to put that away. I mean, really, that is just juvenile thinking. It really is. You talk about people that aren't hockey fans or whatever. It's that way in all sports. You know, basketball, baseball, football, all that. You know, that's Look at soccer spell. for crying yeah, out loud. Yeah. Oh, it's it, terrible it, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, so – these officials, believe it or not, for the most part, okay, in, in watching this game the way I watched it last night, I don't think there was anything egregious there whatsoever. Like, oh, I missed that one. We're going to have to make up that one. Or I called that one. We're going to have to you know, you know, make good with that one. I just didn't see that, okay? The penalties they called were legitimate penalties. And believe me, and we've talked about this before, at this point of the playoffs, when you're in the postseason, you know, they are going to let some of the ticky-tack stuff go away. But... It didn't look. Riley Smith's penalty didn't look like much, but look where it happened. You know, I mean, it, 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 he slashed and and, and 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 may have you know saved a goal. You know what I'm saying? It was in front of the net, so it's those type of things. If that was, you know, you know, forty, fifty feet out, yeah, it's probably not going to be called. Well, you know, one of the things that I always find kind of amusing too, from a fan basis, and we kind of touched on this the other day when we were talking about it, and I said people always say, as long as they're consistent, I want consistency. And that's not what fans want. And I made the comment that fans want to get every call. That's what they actually want. They don't want consistency. But how many people did you see on social media and all over the place last night after that penalty going, well, that's not a penalty in overtime in a Stanley Cup playoff game. Wait, you want consistency, so you're kind of saying, yeah, that might have been a that's a first-period penalty or a regular or, or, season right. penalty, but not at that point. That's the exact definition of inconsistency. If it's a penalty, then it should be called all the time. Now, again, that game was a physical game. 
was I surprised that it was called? I was a little surprised just because of the timing of it, because I am so used to seeing officials blow their whistles. But I also, and again, I'm going to bring this up. When Vegas had that power play, Colorado had a breakaway that they had just gotten interfered with. There could have easily been a call against the Golden Knights that put Colorado on that power play right before Vegas got theirs. That wasn't called. Colorado benches was not happy. The players on the benches, the the coaches, everybody else. Vegas got the call for essentially the same thing. Now, again, the Colorado player, he almost slew-footed him, kind of skated into him that he took him down. They had to call that. But Colorado felt that they had already got a penalty that they didn't get called, and then they had to kill the power play. They did it. Marc-Andre Fleur was sensational. But you have to kill that penalty. It's like when an infielder makes an error in a baseball game, and then the pitcher gets together and you get that third out anyhow. Sometimes, even when something goes wrong, you've got to step up and make it good, or if the ump calls somebody safe when he's out. Nowadays they review it and that, so we don't see that as much. But it was a... Penalty that maybe not a lot of people didn't expect. Riley Smith didn't like it. Pete DeBoer is going to say his stuff. The bottom line is, once again, Vegas didn't get the job done. Well, they, had, they had plenty of opportunities. They had okay? a lot of, and we'll I mean, they hit four posts I mean, in the game and yeah, everything. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. You know, three, you know? in the, three in the third period. So Colorado wins on the power play goal. 207 into the overtime. The Riley Smith penalty. Pierre DeBoer afterwards. Here's the quote. He said, it was just a soft call. I can't even blame the refs because... They're fighting the embellishment of grabbing your face or falling down or dropping your stick every period. I can't even blame the referee on it. They fooled them on it. I mean, (laughs) that's just an asinine comment. It's a crazy comment. And even your team, sometimes you go to the media and you want to back your team. You want to say something. that If you are playing for him... You're just kind of saying, okay, if you're trying to you know, protect us or trying to fire us up or whatever and trying to say, hey, we got your back, that quote really doesn't do it for me if I'm a player. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, but yeah, some of the players did kind of, they, they, they used that and they kind of piled on it. Like yeah. Stone saying afterwards, well, yeah, I mean, he had one hand on his stick. He wasn't, so, so you're saying he wasn't grabbing a stick, that he was just waiting for contact to yeah. drop the stick or mm-hmm. something? And guess what? If the embellishment did work, Maybe your player should embellish more. And the thing about it, and I don't want to bring this up to make piss people off or whatever, the call in San Jose when you were with the Sharks was there. All of those things happened on one play. It wasn't a penalty. They called it on the wrong guy. The stick, the stick was dropped. And it was, I mean, it was complete. Every single one of those factors happened. The embellishment of this and that, the laying on the ice, the other guy coming over and, and bitching yep. about the call. That five-minute major doesn't happen. Vegas might have already had a Stanley Cup. Yeah, yeah. I, I know certainly people out here think that they would have. Hell, people out here think that they should be playing for their fourth consecutive Stanley Cup. <laughs> Colorado's a good team. It was a good game. It was, you know, maybe not the way people wanted it to end because of a call like that. But that call is not what cost them the game. What cost them the game was the entire game, and Grubauer was good enough when he needed to be. The post helped him out. Marc-Andre Fleury was good. But Colorado took advantage of their power play opportunity where Vegas didn't. And its I don't want to dumb it down and oversimplify it, but that's the bottom line. Vegas played much, much better than they did in the first game. And I know people are going to look at shots and goal in that and everything again. Oh, we outshot them. Are, are, are people f- getting tired of that narrative all the time? It doesn't mean diddly squat if you don't win the game. 
Yeah, you got to put the uh, the, you know, the puck in the net. Uh, and yeah, yeah, four, off 41. the post, on the side yep. of the net, behind the net, they don't count. 40, <laughs> 41 to twenty five. Uh, that was the shots uh, on goal for the game, and I believe it was what thirty one to twelve in periods two and three last night. Yeah. And so that, that's the moral of the story for me, is that the Golden Knights had their opportunities. We knew Tons of them. We knew that they were going to be better than game one. All the excuses rolled out. And again, we've, you see it before. You see it in the NBA pl- playoff series. The short turnaround, game one is going to be a dud. It's going to be a dog for them. And it was. They had that extra day, uh, luckily because the Nuggets were, were playing in that arena. So they had the extra day to refresh. They were ready to go. They were focused. They played inspired hockey. They played tough hockey, I thought. Uh, and they showed that they were fresh. But the key here for me, they didn't play smart hockey. They committed six penalties. And, and I don't want to hear that, well, maybe, you know, four of the six so, you know, were legit or three of the six or five. No, they committed six penalties at the most inopportune time. We saw what happened in the first period. I mean, the, the Avalanche basically picked up where they left off in game number one. I mean, they, they got a goal, you know, right away. And it, it, was, it was one nothing. But And that was a really weird goal, too. Brandon yeah. Saad comes down, and he actually whiffed on the, on the puck. And because he didn't get it, it's like being in the batter's box and looking for the fastball and the knuckleball comes. Right. It, it, it was so missed on the shot attempt that it completely th- threw Fleury's timing off. When it went through the five-hole, he's like, wait a second, that thing's just crawling past me. But I thought I would have already saved it by now. I mean, Saad kind of looked up like, whoa, did I get away with one there? <laughs> right, right. But, you know, to the Golden Knights' credit, I mean, they, they responded right back, and they tied it up, 1-1. And then, then when they, when they gave, gave up the lead, 2-1, they responded back again. At that point in time, I was like, okay, th- we got ourselves a hockey game. This is everything that we expected to see in this series. And moving forward, we're going to see more games like this than we saw in game number one. There's, there's no doubt about it. But going back to what you said, Grubauer, he was fantastic. He was outstanding. And you can't give the Vezina Trophy just based on one game, but it will come down to this series and who wins this series and who performs better, Flurry or Grubauer. Because for me, those are the two guys. There's no doubt about it. You don't think Vasilevsky's in the hunt? Because uh, some people think he's the favorite. You, you could now, say now that. No, he, he's, 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 he's won some before, and some yeah. people think that might be a negative yeah. to him. But, boy, I'll tell you what, as good as Tampa Bay is offensively, right. they are this season, in my opinion, yep. clearly the three best goalies. Yeah. Sometimes you wonder about, well, should this guy yeah. have got it? Or these two are so much above. Who yeah. really is yeah. the third guy? Who cares or whatever? This year there were three sensational goaltenders in this yeah. league that I saw night in and night out, and those are the three. And, and a lot of people, you know, we're seeing a lot of this every day now for the past you know, week since they – uh, talked about who the nominees are, and it's like you know, let's let's chill off of that a little bit. I mean, you know, all three of these goalies are in the playoffs here. Okay, they're they're in some major series here. They don't want to hear that talk or whatever. So so leave that for the end, the NHL awards and all that sort of thing. But. I'm saying that these two guys, in my opinion, they're the favorite because they're going to be getting all the attention. This is more likely. Well, they're going, going to be, head to head. They're so, going so that certainly exactly, helps a little bit. Exactly. Now, and, now you could say Vasilevsky's playing the team Carolina that was right up there with the President's Trophy in a tougher right, division in that. Right. But again, no, I, I agree with you. For I the think head this is head more of that, a but. marquee series too. There's more eyeballs on this series, I believe. Than, than that other series. Maybe. maybe yeah. Because Tampa Bay has won the first two games on the road. Right. You know, right. I mean, they look right. like they're rolling again. It looks right now like Tampa Bay is one of those teams, yeah. because of the defending Stanley Cup champs, that they might be going, it's like, 
we didn't care about the regular season. We got ready for the playoffs here because they won a game that was a high-scoring game for the men's Carolina. Then they beat them in a very boring 2 nothing game and basically came out afterwards and said, however they want to play is fine with us because we can, cause we can beat them either way. Right now they're in the Hurricanes' heads, and that's not good if you're a Carolina fan. Yeah. Grubauer, out- outstanding, turned away 39 of 41 shots. And it wasn't, like you said, it wasn't that Flurry was bad either. I mean, he was, he was very good to, as well last night. But uh, Although he didn't face nearly as many shots, but he no, did. he made some big yeah, saves. he did. But Grubauer, you know, for me, I mean, the, the saves that he made, uh, and he just seems in such command of the game as well, too, just well, even the little things. And, and I think he has, and I don't know if he would admit to this, or I don't know why he would not admit to it, how we always talk about the Golden Knights in Season 1, and even Marc-Andre Fleury this year about how he bounced back from last year and, you know, the sword through the back thing with his agent and all that kind of stuff. He's playing with a chip on his shoulder. I still think Philip Grubauer has a chip on his shoulder from the time that he won the Stanley Cup with Washington when he played the first two games, lost on home ice, Holtby Holtby, came in, and we never saw Grubauer hit the ice again. Right. And although he's got a Stanley Cup ring, I think right now in his mind he's going – I want to earn a Stanley Cup ring now. I want to be the man. I had an opportunity that was given to me. I was given the keys to the car, and I crashed it a block from home running into the light pole or the tree or something. I think he's got a chip on his shoulder from his past playoff performances. Maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong, but it sure seems that way to me because he seems like a better and more solid goalie right now than he was before. Maybe the moment was too big with the playoffs and everything else. But he seems dialed in right now. They swept St. Louis, and it wasn't just because of their offense. Right. Grubauer did a good job, and he's done a good job for him all season all long. All season long. No, I totally agree with you. And I think that definitely was the situation. I remember going back you know, to that Stanley Cup final, and I kept saying, you know, yeah, I'm not sold on Holtby. I'm not sold on him. And, again, he, he did lose his job. And when that happens, and we saw it right here with Marc-Andre Fleury. He lost his job last year. He lost his job. He was not 1A, 1-1A last year. Okay? No, in Pete DeBoer's mind, he lost his job. Yeah. To the fans and a lot, maybe even a lot no. of the teammates in the locker room, he didn't. But the only person's opinion that matters is the one that decides who's playing. Right. But again, he lost his job because look how many times he started versus, oh, absolutely. Ver- versus Robin De- Leonard in the playoffs. No, like, Robin no question. Leonard was yeah. Pete DeBoer's number one goalie. Yeah, yeah. It Like you say, it wasn't 1-1A. It was, and right now it's not it's not one and one A. Oh no way! <laughs> it's a, but again, I don't even know who the one A would be right now with Leonard not being on the bench last right, night. Right, right. I so, don't think it's I, I don't think Mark Andre Fuller and Logan Thompson are one and one A. Colorado <laughs> is six and zero oh in this postseason. Uh, they obliterated the Blues. They obliterated the Golden Knights in Game One, and they win a nail biter like you say in Game Number Two. Edge of your seat action. Yeah, and they again they are six and zero. Oh. And that is because of Grubauer, but it's it's because of McKinnon. It's because of of, of everything that they are doing. Brandon, Landis, Kel McCarr, Absolutely. Taze. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they have a this version. Is a solid and again, team. remember this. For Golden Knights fans out there right now who are, you know, upset because Revo can't play a couple games, their tough guy, Kadri, still can't play right now. I, I still think that's that's something that's being swept into the rug. He's a big part of that team. You have to give it up to Colorado to find a way to continue to win like that without Kadri in the lineup, knowing that he's not going to be there. Yeah, I agree. We got breaking news or something? We got breaking news, and I'm just sitting here. Uh, Numchuck just, we got a live chopper thing, 
of a police chase going on. Is that OJ? Is so, that a white Bronco? So that's what I thought. So I think, okay, is this is it anniversary or something? It is by that time of year. You know, it was the I, NBA playoffs. It was in June. You know, so I'm looking at that. I think, wait, what's he showing me? He goes, no, we have a live police chase in McKinney, Texas. So you know what, what's going on in my mind right now? He's going to the barbecue shop? That's what I'm thinking. This burned down. Should we call Houston Nut right now? That's exactly what I'm thinking. Or do we, we save that till next hour? Or I don't know. But I'm just, this guy, you know, I mean, luckily. Do we know what the chase is about? Or uh, I mean, I know it's just on a little cell phone that you got it there. And uh, obviously no audio. So. You mean not on our big screens TV? That, 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 uh, no, no, we have too many other things on there. The, yeah. uh, okay, exactly. The stock market reports because hey. Numchuck's so deep into the stocks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he says I'm number one. <laughs> so we'll have, to, uh, we'll have to keep an eye on yeah, a police chase in McKinney. And how this you know got... Uh, you know, on our on our producer's radar is is beyond me, but that's okay. Break, breaking news: Unfortunately, we don't really have any of the news. Yeah, we know there's a chase going on around McKinney, Texas. And again, it does look like OJ because we have a truck, and it looks like the truck's only going about forty miles per hour. This is it, we got an aerial shot here. I mean, look at this. This this is uh, very similar. And I'm seeing trees. Is this Brentwood? I mean, what's going on there? Maybe they're making a commercial. <laughs> the new white Bronco, faster than OJ. <laughs> this actually looks like a silver one. Doesn't look like a Bronco. Oh, the anyway. silver Broncos. Yeah. Okay, who knows? All right, uh, home schedule: Golden Knights. Okay, so traveled back to Vegas. They play tomorrow night, seven o'clock, at T-Mobile Arena. Game number four will be Sunday at five thirty. Uh, if there is a game six, looking ahead for people in season ticket holders or people just looking to go to the game, that's Thursday at. Um, Oh, you mean with, for the home the, games, yeah. For the home games. I'm looking at the home games. Yeah. Yeah, yeah because it'll be got... Sunday, then Tuesday in Colorado, then back yeah. at yeah. Vegas on yeah. Thursday. Right. So that that is the home schedule we're looking at. Friday, Sunday, and Thursday. Of course, Thursday would be game six if necessary. So yeah, which means Vegas has to yeah. do some work and win a couple games to make that the case. Correct. Mundo. 18,000 fans will be in attendance tomorrow. That will be crazy. Uh, it is a 7 o'clock game. And um, get there early, yeah, because parking is <laughs> a nightmare, kind of a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know they had ten thousand at, at the game last night in Colorado, and, and that seemed pretty loud just watching on television. And I think uh, you know even the the announcing crew they're already looking forward to coming to Vegas, saying, "Yeah, we know what this is going to be like." You know, it'll be fun too. And uh, I know we just had them on yesterday, but I know I know we'll be talking again soon. How did the crowd noise for the hockey game compare to the basketball game the night before? Well, With the double overtime game right? and then the overtime game. Right? Both Denver teams win, right. although one's called the Colorado Avalanche, but right. they're the, the, the both Denver teams. So, you know, because was one fan base more rapid than the other? Were both equal? Both had exciting games. So it sounds like to me that uh, we need to, to talk to Brian Salmon again. For a third day in a row to get his take on that is what yeah, you're saying. And if, if if you want to do that or shoot him a text or something, yeah, but yeah, yeah. It, it might be interesting. Yeah. I mean, he could be flying back for for Biden right now. We we don't know. I don't know his right. He he did not text me his itinerary. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I know they do have some weird itineraries because I remember. Well, remember he told us that he arrived on game day last time, and I remember when yeah, he and, and he was back flying from, and he was flying around the airport right. all over the place because there was rain and he did not. Like and remember that. when they came back from Minnesota. You know, after their la- that last game in Minnesota, game six in Minnesota, he said, yeah, they got back like way late. So uh, it was definitely the next day. So, yeah, we'll reach out. Okay. All right. Uh, Nick Bogdanovich is going to join us a-, a little bit later on as well, too. Talking okay. Mayweather Paul. There we go. So I want to make sure <laughs> that we ask him that today. 
Is this bettable? Is it actually on the board, even though, as we reported yesterday, there are no judges? Therefore, there is no official winner. It's an exhibition. It's always been titled an exhibition. But yesterday they came out and said, nah, no judges and uh, no winner. That's it. Participation trophies, ribbons, participation money. That's what's going to be so are you gonna handed say, out to both Nick, guys. Are you going to put it on the board? That's right. <laughs> so we're going to ask him, exactly. <laughs> All right, so Nick will join us. We might check in with B. Sal, like you said. But coming up next, our good friend Tracy Murray, the former NBA champion, the sharpshooter himself. He's down in L.A. and What did uh, he think of Damian Lillard the other day? Yeah, well, we're going to find out. <laughs> and we're also going to find out what he thinks about these L.A. teams, uh, both maybe on the verge of exiting. We're talking about the Lakers and the Clippers. So uh, we'll talk to Tracy Murray about that. It is a Thursday, T.C. and Ballpark Frank with you. Hey, this is Robert De Niro, and you're listening to the T.C. Martin Show. It's good. All right, NBA playoffs aplenty to big games uh, tonight and let's dive into that with our next guest our good friend the pride of ucla he's the nba champion himself uh one of the best three-point shooters back in the day of course my guy tracy murray what's up trace what's going on tc i'm doing good man so i know you're in town you're you're loving it you got your summer here full of basketball what's going on man Nothing, man. Just doing a lot of coaching with my daughter's team right now, and I didn't expect to do it. I honestly didn't want to coach my daughter's team. I just wanted to sit up there like a parent, but um, I got pulled into it. So, wow, there it is. this sounds so familiar, man. I, you know, flashback. I had to do the exact same thing, man. But I know you, man. You're kind of like probably like the way I was. It's like, okay, if you're gonna do it, then you're gonna do it right, man. And uh, let's 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 pull out all the stops and let's go. Yeah, if you're going to go in, you got to go all in because there's a lot of girls that that are, you know, trying to get better. And and they're a fourth-grade team. They're a 10U team. So there's a lot of growth. We have some talent, but it can be a lot lot of growing going on between now and when they get to high school. And and let's touch on that, too, because a lot – you know, we have a lot of parents, obviously, that listen to the show. They have kids that are in sports and everything. But when you start – getting involved in the AU basketball and whether it's basketball or baseball or softball, any of these type of things, you know, the team sports, you know, 10 U, believe it or not, it gets pretty competitive. But as you know, Tracy, uh, and we all know who's been through this before you got some parents that, that don't realize it's 10 U. I mean, they're thinking right now, okay, I'm paying thousands upon thousands of dollars for my kid to, to play uh, you know, travel basketball, baseball, softball, whatever it is, and th- they're thinking college. They're thinking college already at, at ten U. Not really from a recreational standpoint. And it continues to get you know more intense as you get to twelve U, fourteen U, sixteen U, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, ten U really should be that time where you're still learning the game. You're you're having friendships, the bonding, all that sort of thing. It's great. But as we know, there are parents that really are are on speed dial here at Ten U. Wouldn't you concur with that? I agree. Um, I'm about to send a disclaimer out to all the parents. They should be learning and having fun right now, because if you push them and continue to push them hard right now, all of your hard work and dedication pushing them to something that you want to be successful at, they will end up turning. And making a U-turn going somewhere else at the end of the day. So 
let them have fun, let them learn, let them develop their talent. And if there are some good coaches there, let the coaches develop them. Stay out of the way if this is not your forte, because there's a lot of parents that get in the way of the experts. And, and, and that's a problem. With your basketball background and your resume, do you find parents less likely to come up to you and try to tell you how to do stuff as opposed to some of the other coaches that can't say, look, I'm like a UCLA Hall of Famer. Shut up and let me do my job. <laughs> Well, I'm I'm trying to get into the UCLA Hall of Fame right, still. Right. But, well, in but, our um, in our heart, you are. <laughs> yeah, at, at the end of the, at the end of the day, there's tons of people who are trying to get you know that they, they mean well, you know they want to see their kids get there, but there's no such thing as an overnight fix. There's a lot of parents that think that their kids are going to be NBA or WNBA players overnight. Newsflash, there's only, what, 4,400 people in the 75-year of NBA that, that's ever played in the NBA. So you have a better chance of being a rocket scientist. I'm not saying give up, but I'm saying be patient and, and, and let things happen because chances are they're not going to get there. Yeah, absolutely great. Yeah, only 144 women are in the WNBA. That's that's all the slots that there are, and we use that number uh, all the time. But no, it's it, and that's a, it, and that's a smaller and that's a smaller chance, right? Not as many things. Yeah, it sounds like you're also saying go to class and do your homework on that because you can still have a successful career by being a rocket scientist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is true. Yeah, that, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying uh, go to, go to school. You know, do your work and and and. For most people, have a backup plan. I know I didn't have a backup plan, but I was six eight and could shoot. Yeah, exactly. Oh man, and uh, yeah, and I remember those days, man. I remember Tracy Murray at the Slam and Jam, Izzy Washington down there at Long Beach State. I remember, man. I was there. I was coaching it. There's Tracy Murray lighting it up in three. That's what I'm talking well, I'll tell about. You what, it was it was a lot of hard work and dedication, and you got to have yourself around people that have done it. When I grew up, I was around Michael Holden, who went to UCLA and played a lot of years in the NBA. I was around Michael Cooper, who was a five-time NBA champion with the, with the Los Angeles Lakers. These are people I was around because my dad played basketball, and he played just underneath their level. So when you're around greatness and, 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 and being able to rub elbows with these people and see how they walk, see how they talk, see how they work, now you have a gauge on how to work and how to push yourself and, and what things you should be doing to get to that level. Yeah, no, you're so right, man. I'm not, I'm yeah. not going to go to a street ball player and ask them how to get to the NBA. It's not going to happen. There you go. Exactly. And, and just and, and finally on this topic, I mean, you hit the nail on the head when you said earlier because I personally have experienced. I'm sure you have too because you know you you've been coaching. It's just that I've seen how parents have driven their kids away at a young age. I mean, I had some kids in various sports that just, you know, they they loved it, but they only loved it to a certain degree. And as you get older and, you know, there are other things that come prominent in your life, but if your parents are hitting you over the head with, you know, uh, 6 a.m. workouts and then uh, again in the afternoon and then in the evening and that sort of thing and then scolding you because, you know, you didn't score 20 or you had a couple turnovers or whatever. And like I said, I've seen it from team sports and individual sports and it's sad so many kids i mean i've got about a list of probably i would say double digits of kids that probably could have gone on and play college ball but they quit 
because of the pressure from their parents. And absolutely. I, I mean, absolutely. If 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 you don't allow the kids to love the game, if you're doing it for anything except for the love of the game, you're not going to get out of it what you what you really want. Um, there's a lot of people that's money motivated, fame motivated, women motivated, money whatever's lifestyle motivated. If you are all of that motivated, then at some point, even if you reach it there and you and you get all of that stuff, you're not gonna maximize your potential because now you have it. Now you're gonna stop working. You gotta love the game. You gotta love the workouts, the six AM workouts, the weight room. You gotta love all of that. You gotta love the construct constructive criticism. People are gonna tell you the truth. You can't be told you're great all the time. You gotta be told sometimes that you're not very good at some areas so you can work on your game. A lot of these parents want you to tell them that their kids are great and they're not even good yet. So you there's still work to do, people. There it is. Tracy Murray, the coach. With all that being said, what kind of squad you got there? Well, I mean I mean we went one and two last week, but we haven't had time with them. They they've only had like three practices. Um, there's only three experienced players, and the other four are. This is their first experience. So right now, you just want to make it fun for them. Right. And we played against boys' teams. We we beat one boys' team the first game, and then the two boys' teams that we lost to, they're celebrating like they won the NBA championship, <laughs> and their parents are jumping around like they got a ring. And I'm like, number one, you guys beat a girls' team that's not really experience yet and number two if you beat a girls team by 10 you got work to do <laughs> tell like it is man oh boy just just just, just be humble be a yes. good sport yes yes oh, we're gonna have to keep keep track on this on on tracy's team here there you go all right man <laughs> coach k retires i want to get some thoughts on you 46 years five national titles 12 final fours uh, 1170 D1 victories, USA Olympic head coach. Uh, the guy's been uh, phenomenal. He is 74 years old. And, you know, a lot of people were thinking because of what he was saying last year uh, about, you know, COVID and he didn't have a very good team. They thought that, okay, all of this stuff and the changes of college basketball, now with the, you know, the likeness and the imaging and all these type of deals, there's kind of like driving him away from the game. And I know people thought that about Roy Williams, too, because remember, Roy Williams just retired a few months ago as well, too. But he, yeah. he made it very clear to say, hey, it's not about that. You know, I'm healthy. My wife's healthy. I want to spend time with my family and my grandkids. Uh, that's really what, what I want to do. Uh, so when you hear all that, Tracy, and you put it all together, uh, give me your thoughts. Well, first of all, I'm going to say I can't stand Coach K because I lost to him twice. Right. <laughs> and pe- no, and no, people I- at UNLV feel the exact same way as you know, even though UNLV got him, but then they got the payback a, a year later. They seem to remember the loss more than <laughs> they, the win. They do. They absolutely do. Right, absolutely, absolutely. But you know what? What Coach K has done and, and, and the, the many of young men that he's touched uh, uh, all of these years, man, uh, he had a heck of a run. Uh, I am a Coach K fan. I was just joking at the beginning. I, I really think, uh, um, you know, his his career is second to none. Um, USA basketball, I mean, Duke basketball, the the Grand Hills and the Christian Laters and the Bobby Hurleys has come through there all the way through to the Elton Brands and, and these youngsters that he just, I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, everybody had a rude awakening the last year and a half, two years. 
and 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 it's really pointing back towards your family. You know, there's a lot of things I done passed up on and and moved away from because I need to focus on my family. And I think what Roy Williams and Coach K have done in the game, and they want to focus on their families at 70-something years old, I think they're they're entitled to, man, because they put in the work. They had a great career, and you got to do nothing but tip your hats and salute them. And I know there is a lot of that. People just, they don't like Duke. And I've never understood that. And they look at Duke like, oh. I don't remember, either. Yeah, remember how Duke was back in the day? He took over at age 33. Duke was terrible. And remember, he went through some pretty lean years. Even when they were playing well, they would be down for years. And, and it just people didn't like him. When, I know you probably played, Tracy, guys with Duke, or rather that came from Duke, whether your teammates or has some close friends that went to Duke and played uh, uh, for him. What were their thoughts about playing for Coach K? Well, you know what? I, I always kid hating Duke and, and all of them, and I always kid that because I had a lot of friends that, that played for Coach K and went to Duke. So I always give them a hard time, but all of those guys from, as I say again, Grant Hill, Christian Leitner, uh, Thomas Hill, Bobby Hurley, these are all guys that I was either McDonald's All-Americans with, I played on USA Basketball with, I played against in the NBA, Corey McGetty and, 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 and Elton Brand, these guys. I, I'm telling you, everybody speaks highly of Coach K and, and, and what he has meant in their lives. So uh, at the end of the day, it's not just about basketball. It's about helping young men become men. And I think he's done a good job of that with his with his program. Well, you know, it's interesting too because how you guys were talking about how so many people can't stand him and say they hate Duke and they hate Coach K because of the elitist and the Duke aura about because it of that. the success. But, yeah, That's because what, of yeah. the success. Yeah. But then they fail to realize that Coach K said stuff like, "Look, I admire Jared Tarkani and UNLV because he gives opportunities and scholarships to kids that I couldn't even recruit to get into Duke, and that he did think there was a place for." other types of programs and every kid out there. He was playing under the rules that he had there. He believed in college basketball and giving every kid a possibility that he could. But, you know, at his school he couldn't do it. But he never looked down on anybody else for giving a kid a chance. He applauded it and said, yeah, I hope it works out for the young man. But people, for whatever reason, just because he was good at what he did, still didn't like him. And then you have the people that say, like, well, yeah, he's a great recruiter, but he can't coach. And it's like, really? He can't coach? I think people just don't like when people win all the time. So, you know, yeah, I mean, people are competitive. They they want to knock that, that giant off the top. And UNLV went through it when they had those monster teams. Of course, I went to UCLA. We're hated in the same, same boat. North Carolina's hated in the same boat. Same with Kansas and Kentucky. I mean, these are all blue blood schools that everybody hates because if you call, if you combine all of those schools, they win most of the national championships. Right. So, yeah, people want to see other people. They want to see the underdog. They, everybody's always rooted for the underdog. So no one likes the, the teams that are on top. And, and, and that's just the, the nature of the business. Coach K had his press conference today. He said he wanted to announce this, uh, you know, basically, you know, before the season started, John Shire is going to take over. People probably remember John Shire played for Coach K at Duke uh, for four years, was his assistant the last eight seasons. He's, and it's funny here because you know how old John Shire is? He's 33 when Coach K took over. So 
it'll be interesting to see how that uh, works out. But he has, he, I wanted people to know, wanted these recruits to know who, you know, I could recruit him, you know, now, but I want him to know that they, this is going to be your coach going forward. So a class uh, act on his part. And he did say, he goes, I'm not just, you know, mailing in here. He goes, I'm, he goes, I'm going all out. Oh, you I'm, know I'm, that he'd love he, to win yes. one more championship and, goes, and go out on a high note. He's going to do right. everything in his power right. to win. And he goes, I, you know, I'm going to work hard until, you know, the, our, our final day of the season, you know, coming up, uh, you know, next year. So yeah, that's uh, the news out of college basketball today. Uh, Tracy Murray joins us. Tracy, let's talk about the playoffs here. The L.A. teams. I mean, you're down there in L.A. You've got LeBron James. You've got no Anthony Davis. A big game tonight. Uh, the Lakers on the verge of elimination against the Phoenix Suns tonight. And we saw what happened in game number five in Phoenix where they ran them out of their own building. It was non-competitive. 115-85. to A LeBron James team getting drilled by 30. But we know that the Lakers have a lot of issues. They have a lot of problems. And we talked about it yesterday. When your starting backcourt has zero with Schroeder and Caldwell Pope, zero, you're not going to win many basketball games. No, you're not. And, and at the end of the day, if there's no healthy, healthy Anthony Davis, the Lakers are in deep trouble. At the end of the day, the one-two punch is LeBron and Anthony Davis, not LeBron and any of the rest of the other guys that's on the team. Um, you would think Kyle Kuzma would step up, but he, his body language to me hasn't hasn't been to where he he's ready to step up and go get thirty if he has to. He's the only one, in my opinion, that's equipped to go get thirty and help LeBron. But on a consistent basis, he doesn't bring it every night. Right, right. So, what do you think, man? Is this uh, the Lakers going to extend this series? And if they do, well, you know what's going to happen here with the number two seeded Phoenix Suns. The, the Lakers have two things on their side, LeBron James and being at home. That's the only thing they have on their right. side right now. Right now the momentum is against them. They're having chemistry issues. They're having health problems. They're having all kinds of issues right now that championship teams cannot win under those situations. Well, you know, you're talking about the Lakers and the issues they have with chemistry and stuff like that. What about the other team that shares that building yeah, with yeah. them? Every year we hear I, I, that, okay, yeah. this is the year that the Clippers, they finally got it together. They're going to make things work out in that. Yet they seem to find a way to disappoint their fans season after season when it comes this time of the year. This is the I've been saying the same thing about the Lakers and the Clippers since the beginning of the playoffs. Both of them have issues keeping guys on the floor. And then when they come back, everybody's role changed and everybody's expected to take a step back again, and it throws off the chemistry. Guys don't know when to step up. Guys don't know when to play. Because stars are in and out of the lineup, it throws off your chemistry. If you don't have health, chemistry, and, 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 and all, this, all this luck around you moving forward to the championship, you're not going to win. Tracy, let's go back with this Clippers-Dallas series. I mean, it's been a crazy series. I mean, Dallas goes in to the Staples Center. Clippers have the home court advantage. They win both games. And then the, you, go, you go back to Dallas, and the Clippers look like, wow, they've woke up. This, this is going to be a series now. And then last night, it seems like they felt comfortable 
They're at home, and they basically get blown out of their own gym last night. It just seems like it's really strange, this team. It's like a Jekyll and Hyde type of team. I really expected the Clippers to perform well last night, and it was not the same Kawhi Leonard that we saw uh, from the previous game in Dallas. I mean, they were clicking on all cylinders, Rondo, everybody, and then I'm watching this game, and I'm going, What's the dealio with this? And I did hear Kenny Smith, you know, talk about this, and it kind of resonated with me a little bit, saying, you know, he was going back, and you probably know this, you know, we're playing with Akeem Akeem on Houston when they lost the Houston Rocket team lost the first two games on the road, and it was like, oh, good to be back home. You you feel comfortable, maybe a little bit too comfortable when you go back home, and that's exactly what seemed to be the case with the Clippers last night. They were comfortable to be there, but they forgot to to remember their face in Luka Doncic in, in, in Dallas. Well, another thing, I think the crowd uh, difference in Dallas is a little bit more intense. Um, something um, where you can form a bunker mentality against and, and, and band together and win those games. I think. Dallas is maybe they, maybe they're too comfortable. Maybe they're nervous in front of their home fans because I think they're allowed to have more right. than than L A right now. I don't think the Clippers get the same support that Dallas get at home. So the Clippers are a little bit more excited to play on the road than they are at home. If you have no one in the building, really. Well, yes, yeah, so certainly actual people jump up and down and make more noise than cardboard cutouts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm seeing more cutouts in the stands and I'm seeing people. Why are we still doing the cardboard cutouts? Seriously, why are we doing that? I don't know. We, we talked about this the other day. The Oakland A's still have cardboard cutouts behind home plate. We're seeing in the Staples Center. I don't get enough already. Maybe people paid their money for them and they were promised so many games or something because <laughs> I, I really don't know anymore. I thought after June 1st we were going to have fans all over the place again, but again, it's a state-by-state, city-by-city thing. Uh, so That's crazy. Right, exactly. Uh, okay, uh, Damian Lillard, that performance, uh, you know something about Portland, and you know something about scoring. 55 in a losing cause at Denver the other night in that double overtime uh, loss, 147-140. They get another crack at it uh, at home tonight in Portland. Uh, give us your thoughts about that last game, and what do you expect to see in game six tonight? I feel Dame's uh, pain. Uh, I really do. I had a 64-point game in state championship and lost. So I, I feel his pain totally. Um, somebody's got to step up and help him. It's got to be more than just McCollum. It's, there's got to be guys, Norman Powell, uh, Carmelo. There's got to be guys, Nurkic. There's got to be guys that's got to step up in, in a major way and help out because, I, in my opinion, there's more good young talent on Denver than it is Portland. So I, I think – more guys need to step their levels up with the Trailblazers in order to beat the Nuggets. You know, it would be nice if everybody could experience what you did with your 64-point game and Damian Lillard did, but when you're in a zone like that, how big does that basket look, and does it just feel like no matter what you throw up there, it doesn't matter if there's nobody on you or three guys on you, it's going in? Yeah, it doesn't matter, but then at the end of the day, you want to win that game. Like my 50-point game in the league, we won that game. So it meant something. It doesn't mean anything when you lose. And I understand where Damon, Damon Lillard was talking about when he said, yeah, it doesn't matter. We didn't win. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, so Portland tonight. Does Portland get the job done tonight, Tracy? I hope so. You know, I, I was a, a trailblazer at the beginning. I was a trailblazer yeah. at the end. I yeah. began and ended my career with them. 
I was a nugget as well, but I was only there for like two, three months. But but I, I, I'm really hoping that, that Portland gets to extend the series. Yeah, it, this just has a feeling of a seven-game series. When you have a classic the way you did in well, Game 5. Well, it feels five, like one that you want to go seven games I, I as do. well because yeah. you want to see these guys keep on yeah. playing. And you know what the thing about it is? This is probably one of the most undersung series as well, too. And I saw you know some uh, national media talking the other day. And they go, oh, I really don't care about that because they were East Coast people. And they're going, it starts so late and this and that. No, this is the series. For me, this is the most competitive series in the first round that we have. This is must-see TV. I agree. They're caring more about the Knicks being in the playoffs, and they just got wiped by the, by yeah. the Hawks. It's like, yeah. uh, I'm not caring about the Knicks. I'm, I'm, I want to see something where people are actually laying it on the line. Oh. And this is one of those series where everybody's laying on the line. Between the Knicks being in the playoffs, and between the the L.A. team struggling, that's been the highlight of, of, of the playoffs that everybody's focusing on. And they're missing an instant classic right here between these two teams. All right, so we talked about game six tonight with the Blazers looking like, okay, they should extend it. We hope they extend it. Does the Lakers season come to an end tonight? It just might. It just might. If, if Anthony Davis doesn't come back and give them – 30 and 15 to go along with LeBron's monster game because I'm not sold on the supporting cast to help just LeBron win. They need both of them at high clip with everything moving forward for them to win. As I say again, the only advantage the Lakers have is LeBron and home court. That's yep. it. You're right. I if totally Anthony agree. Davis doesn't yep. come back, yeah, if Anthony Davis doesn't come back with all, all guns blazing, they're in deep trouble. You know, it's interesting because we're talking about some of the series where there's great basketball going on, and you mentioned that they want to talk more about the Hawks and the Knicks, and it seems like they want to talk more about the trash talking and stuff, not even necessarily on the court, but do they even really trash talk today? I mean, you played in an era when I think there was a little bit more trash talk and it was more acceptable amongst the players in that on the court. Hell, sometimes with people in the crowd, but it was still done in a respectful way for the most part. Yeah, I don't know what's going on nowadays. Um, the, the, the trash talk with the kids nowadays, of course it's not like it was back when we played. And, and guys would hit you after tra- talking trash back in the day. It's not allowed to, to, to go that far anymore. Um, but I, I really don't know what's up with the fans. I mean, they're really acting like this is Europe and we're playing in the EuroLeague and you get to spit and throw things at yeah, people right. and, and nothing happens. And, and that's something that, that should not happen over here in the United States in any professional sport. Yeah, well put. All right, Tracy, appreciate the time. Uh, hopefully you know, you're going to be in Vegas for a little bit, so we'll get you live in person on, on one of these days too, man. I definitely want to keep talking with you about the playoffs uh, because it, things are getting interesting here. We've got a couple of good games tonight, and we'll continue on. We have a birthday today too, Tracy, because I know you're an old-school guy like me, right? Today is the birthday of this guy right here, the late, great Curtis Mayfield. Can I get a witness? Hey! Yeah! See, Tracy knows about Curtis Mayfield. He knows about Curtis Mayfield. There you go. That's where the post right there. The super fly himself. There you go. Tracy Murray could get down back in the day. He could dress pretty fly, too. You know, you probably still still got some of those high heels and those... uh, uh, those suits back in the day, man. 
Man, I have more shorts and T-shirts nowadays. This is true. <laughs> I want to th- throw this in real quick, too. Yeah. For people that say size doesn't matter, I remember at the start of this interview, you mentioned how you were 6'8 and can shoot, so coaches kind of had an eye for you. I can shoot, but I'm 5'8". They did not give me the same look. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you better be lightning quick. Exactly. Yeah, I, I used to be fairly quick. Yeah. I don't know if I was ever lightning quick. Oh, oh, oh for two on that. There you go. All right, brother. Be good, man. Appreciate you. All right. Thank you. Take care. All right. There he is. Tracy Murray, the former NBA champ. Yes. He'll be in that UCLA Hall of Fame. Should have already been UCLA Hall of Fame. But That's why I threw that in there like that. Yeah. Like, it was already a given. Like yeah. We always let, think so. We don't need the official stats. We say you're a Hall of Famer. You're a Hall of Famer. 64. Who shoots? Who scores 64 and loses, huh? Damian Lillard scored 55 and lost. There you go. All right, we come back on the other side. We'll talk some more VGK NBA playoffs. Nick Bogdanovich uh, will join us. And a whole lot more coming your way on this thunderous Thursday. Curtis Mayfield, take us to the break. Capital of the world. What a strike! What a goal! What a comeback! What a game! There are no words to describe it. It's the TC Martin Show. Léger hors jeu, mais cette fois-ci, il y en a pas pour Marco Reus. Très fort devant le but. Prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Largo, Pifio. Messi la tiene, Messi, Messi, Messi. Ahí está, Iniesta. Gol! 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 Cerebro! Cerebro! Cerebro, Iniesta! The doctor is now in. Appreciate Tracy Murray joining us. Talk a little NBA playoffs. Check that art, uh, that article. Check out that interview up on the website. It'll be up there, of course. You get, you're going to write the story and tell it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We got articles. We got blogs. We got interviews. Get carpal tunnel if you type out that whole segment. I know. I know. Jeez. <laughs> got carpal tunnel for typing out the article last night. For Staying up and watching that game last night. The OT thriller where the Golden Knights lost to the Only one OT, though. I mean, only one. Maybe they should just call that the OT center. Two minutes and seven seconds last night. That's all that was. It was pretty quick. It was. It was. All right. Tomorrow. Quicker than speed dial three. Game number three tomorrow. (laughs) Game number three tomorrow at T Mobile (laughs) Arena. It will be full capacity. And how crazy is that going to be? And just the atmosphere alone. For the first time, and I understand it's kind of been a slowly, but you know, surely you've had the process of you had two thousand fans, you had forty five hundred fans, you had eight nine thousand fans, then we went up to twelve thousand, but now there will not be an empty seat in the building tomorrow for a playoff game that definitely is deemed must win, and you're down two games to none. 
that's going to be something. And appropriately enough, kind of like you built it up there, it's been that slow, gradual yeah. grow, and now it's going to be at capacity in what is without a doubt the most important game of the season for the Vegas Golden Knights up to this point. Yeah. So tomorrow- Because if they lose, can a team come back from 3-0? Well, that's Pete DeBoer. He was there when the Kings did it to yeah. his San Jose yeah. Sharks team. However, it's highly unlikely. You can't say must win because it's not an elimination game, but it's as close to a must win as you can get without it being an elimination no, no, game. It, listen, it's a must win, okay? It's a you it, it, pretty it, damn well better win. <laughs> here's, here's the thing, okay? People say, well, you know, the, the series really doesn't start until the visiting team wins, okay? Well, there, there's one flaw with that theory. After seven games, it's over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're already down 2 nothing. You need four to win. So if you lose tomorrow, okay, you're down 3 nothing. No, you have to win. It's a must win. And really, last night's game was a must win. And any time you get into a playoff series, every game is a must win. You need to win four of them. So you need to try to win every game well, yes, at it, all it, times. It, it's much more comfortable when you go baseball. from winning four out of seven yeah. to now four out of five. Right. Exactly. And if you lose tomorrow, then it's four out of four. Yeah. That's really difficult. It happens, yeah. but it's rare. And you're not going to win just because you're on home ice, and a lot of people no. think that. Because, well, Colorado won there, too. All we've got to do is win our two. Well, think about this for a second. So the Golden Knights win tomorrow, and now it's 2-1. Okay. If Colorado comes and gets that split, still big time advantage Colorado. Absolutely, because then they're they three did one. They need one. They need one more to win. You yeah, still then they three. did what Vegas was trying to do last night. Yeah. And by the way, for anybody who thinks that if you have home ice, you're going to win, did you watch the Minnesota series? Yes. Yes, they did get the game seven win on home ice, but they also lost games at home. The home team was three and four in that series. Correct. Correct. Doesn't so. necessarily matter. Mm-mm. Tampa Bay has won both games in Carolina. Now they go home. The Hurricanes, they're in a must win (laughs) because they lost two at home. At least Vegas lost two on the road. If you're going to lose two, it's probably better to lose the road ones and have it come at home instead of the other way around. It's not like you had great attendance there in Carolina for those games as well, too. So it's not like you you had 17,000, 18,000 in that building. Yeah, it wasn't the rabid fans and you're doing the surge and everybody's going absolutely crazy. You know who's probably laughing right now is Nashville Predator fans. After all the shade that Carolina's Twitter and everything else threw out where they literally got blocked, the Preds are probably they're probably the biggest Tampa Bay fans outside of TJ Reeves and the people in Tampa. All right. <laughs> so game number uh, three tomorrow night at T-Mobile Arena. Remember, it is a 7 o'clock start as well. If you're going to the game, hey, be, be, be ready. And uh, if you can't, then uh, watch it on uh, NBC. Uh, SN as well. All right. And I know the NBC obviously has the game on Sunday as well, too. That'll be game number four. All right. Uh, we got breaking news. And this is not a police chase in McKinney, Texas, which uh, ended peacefully after a cowboy. Semi-peacefully cow- after a guy got tackled to the ground. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah. So, yeah. But uh, that is not what this story is about. Ladies and gentlemen, I know you're going to be very excited about this, Frank. The USFL is back. That's right. That. You remember the USFL? Yeah. The United States Football League is yes. back. After a 37-year hiatus, it's back. Now, technically, it's only 36 years, but I use 37 because they will start play next year in 2022. And they 
released a, a statement today that says the USFL is back. Our aim is to deliver high-quality, innovative football to fans. We've heard this before, haven't we? Yes, just like uh, back in the day, 1983 to 85, three seasons where the USFL uh, kind of made a name for themselves until they ran out of money. And then Donald Trump, who actually owned the, the, New, generals, right? the, the New Jersey Generals, decided, to say, hey, we could take on the NFL. Let's move to fall. And that's where the downfall started. But if you remember back in those days. Yeah, he pretty much sabotaged that league. He did. I mean, he He completely. I think Chicago's team was the fire. Yeah. Well, I'm going to get into that here in a minute. Okay. I'm going to get into that. Sorry, jumping ahead, though. That's that's I used to enjoy those games. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to talk about that. We're going to test some knowledge here. So the 1983, 84, 85, three seasons that they had there. And they went bankrupt because they just recklessly spent all kinds of money. You got to remember they had ABC, you know, and uh, ESPN as their television partners as well too. And they played in the NFL stadiums. Remember the first game was at the LA Memorial Coliseum, and they I think they had like you know thirty five or forty thousand. Uh, you had great players like Steve Young for the uh, you know for LA. Then you had uh, Herschel Walker, Herschel Walker, Jim Kelly. Uh, just to name a few, and, there, and there's probably more uh, there as well, too. But, uh, yeah, the USFL, they're going to make a comeback. They're going to play in the spring, and they're going to compete with the XFL. Because, remember, the XFL is back. Remember, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, is part of the group that, that bought them. And they were going to play this spring, but they said, well, we need some more time. So now the, the USFL is going to go head-to-head with the XFL. It's spring football. I've been sick of spring football for a long time. Like, here we go again. Uh, is this going to fly? Is I mean, it going to fly? There's a football league going on right now that's playing. I mean, the how spr- often do yeah, people watch it? Football the spring league, league or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. Given a choice, Jeez. I'll continue to when I can't sleep and I watch Australian rules football. Right. I don't know those players, but at least it's fun and entertaining. Mm-hmm. I don't want to watch, you know, here's the league of guys that couldn't make it in the league. Right. That's and, and that's not to minimize what they're doing, but, you know, I like going out to Las Vegas ballpark to see the Aviators, knowing that it's AAA baseball. I'm not turning on my TV to watch AAA football. I agree. And that was you know, the thing about the USFL is they, they actually had star power. They threw out oh, no, a they, lot they, of money. They spent, it, it, yeah. it, to, to use an analogy, it's kind of like when – WCW Nitro was throwing around money to everybody, thinking that they would eventually take over and put Vince McMahon out of business. Right. They made an effort, and they had a lot of money behind it, but eventually it finally crashed. So the USFL, if you remember, they're going to come back. They're going to go old school. They're going to come back with the same logo. Remember the red, white, and blue logo uh-huh. with the stars? They're going to come back with that. And they do have a television partner that's invested in the league, uh, and it is Fox Sports. So they will give it a uh, – they'll have plenty of exposures. Fox Sports CEO and executive producer uh, Eric Shanks, he had this quote. He said, uh, called the USFL's relaunch a landmark day for football fans and Fox Sports. Nah, I think it's a little bit, you know, strong, but uh, – It's also interesting to me, or well, actually strange to me, that 
them and the XFL would both start up at the same time competing against each other and then saying that they're both kind of, well, I know they're going to say they're not competing with the NFL, but that is kind of what they're doing. Right. Why wouldn't you get together if you have all these investors that and try to make one at least quality league? Because it, we went through this before. You know, remember when Vince McMahon, you know, did the XFL and then, you know, and then the other leagues. There were like three spring leagues talked about before the pandemic. And our good friend Jim Fossil was. Well, remember when the was CFL was extended all the way down? There was the team in Vegas. Right. There was teams. Right. There was a team in Louisiana right. in the Canadian Football well, League. Speaking of which, <laughs> that's why the XFL did not play this spring because they're working a deal with the CFL right now. So they're trying to incorporate. They're trying to combine and have the CFL play here in the spring because we know the CFL goes early. They they start like in June, you know, July, and then and then boom, they're, they're, they end because early. that's exactly when you want football in oh, Las Vegas yeah. in an outdoor stadium. Yeah. June and July, August, yeah. oh, primo times. But you know, going back to those days, the USL USFL was launched originally to serve as a complement to the NFL right. and not a, a direct competitor, the USFL actually helped change professional football in that short-term span for those three years. They featured rules innovations. They helped usher in underclassmen who were being drafted by the NFL, and they pushed the NFL to, to bigger salaries and actually created like the quote-unquote real free agency. USFL, they started all that. because remember, remember Steve Young was still cashing his checks like as of a year or two ago, that the LA Express gave him. Well, yeah, because they got you know? like a twenty-five year or thirty-year yeah, contract right. or something like that. Just yeah. spread out yes. because they it wasn't all up front. But yeah, kind of like right. the the baseball player that's still getting checks from the team that hasn't played Bobby for Bobby Bonilla. Years, Bobby yeah. Bonilla. That'll be coming up on July fourth, by yeah. the way. Bobby there you Bonilla go. Day. Yeah, there it is. July first. July first. Or, or yeah. as Bobby Bonilla calls it, payday. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, and and here's what a lot of people probably don't remember: the big thing with the USFL. Even though they went down in their glory and they lost all kinds of money, they did sue the NFL in an antitrust lawsuit, and they won. Do you know what they won in that antitrust lawsuit? Oh, kind of like trading places. One dollar. That's it, Mortimer. All right, Mortimer. One dollar. They got one dollar, but actually they got triple that. They got three dollars because per antitrust rules... They allowed him to triple it. So, yeah, they, they won $3. And how many teams were in the league again? 18 teams were in the league. So each of them get like 30 cents? Yeah, do the math. <laughs> there you go. All right, so we talked about Herschel Walker, Steve Young, Reggie White played, uh, Jim Kelly. They're there. So let's, let's play a little game here. How many teams can you name from the USFL? Oh, I, don't I don't know. How many can you name? I, I mean – I know there was a Chicago Fire team. There was also a Chicago Blitz because they had different, you the know, Chicago so, Blitz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The fire now, these these yeah, were the, the original names. Yeah, the Fire might have even that might have been the World Football League or something. That might have been even yeah, before the USFL. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chicago Blitz was the original name. Yeah, come on. I, I I think you got you got like four or five in you. Well, there was what there was. Uh, was it the LA Express? Yeah, got to get. All right. Uh, well, the New York Generals. We already said that. That's right. The uh, Buffalo had a team, right? No, no. Not, oh wait, the, the the Houston was it the Gamblers or the Colt Forty Fives? <laughs> it would be the Gamblers, Houston Gamblers. Right. Very nice. But was there also a Colt Forty Five, or is that a different uh, league? No, too? no. That was that was the old Houston Astros. Oh, you know, I think that was also like the six foot and under basketball yeah. years ago <laughs> down there. Uh, uh, <laughs> right, 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 right. Chicago Blitz, you got those. Okay, a- anything else? I I, I'm, I know there was a Florida team, but I, there was a Florida team. Think I, of T.J. Reeves. Yeah, the, the Tampa, but I don't remember. What they were they, good too. 
Yeah. And they were, they even, I think they had, well, almost the same name as uh, when they did the reboot. Yeah. The Tampa Bay Bandits. Yeah. Tampa Bay yeah, Bandits. I, yeah. I kind of yeah. remember their logo in that now, too. Right. So. Right. Yeah. And, uh, was, was it is a San Fran team? But I don't... They had one in Oakland. And okay. we used to go watch them. Yeah. The Oakland Invaders. All right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's God. There's so many different leagues that go through yeah. my head in that kind yeah. of stuff right now. So, where's our man C. Win? Chris Win, where are you at? Because he's got to know there was a team there in, in Detroit, Detroit, like the. Except they weren't called Detroit. Where you at, C. Win? They weren't called Detroit. No, they were not called Detroit. Bobby A. Bear started there. Remember Bobby A. Bear? I remember Bobby A. Yeah, the Michigan Panthers. Because Panthers are so indigenous to Michigan. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Is what that, was the team that Steve Young played for? Was that LA Express? Express? That was Express. LA yeah. Express, yeah. That's what I thought. So the ones that, that I remember off the top of my head were the LA Express, the Memphis Showboats. Okay. The Birmingham Stallions. Oh, I do kind of remember that. I them. always yeah. remember that because you know, they played in the old you know, in Birmingham there. Yeah, and, and, and it's so because that, that rock hard country. Concrete. I mean, yeah. football's big down there with college, so they right. tried a pro team. So down that's there, what always which stuck made out sense. Yeah, yeah. And then Memphis, you know, not far from there, the Memphis Showboats. Um, other ones that stuck out to me, I uh, remember the Oakland Invaders, Arizona Wranglers, which later turned out to be, you know, uh, an arena football league team. And some of the, oh, th- they were very good. Uh, yeah. Hunky Cooper uh, from UNLV oh, played time. there forever. Well, Danny White, yeah. you know, you know, before that, um, then there were, there were several of these teams that had multiple cities like, uh, the Boston breakers, remember the Boston breakers, but then they relocated like to Portland. I think somewhere in between as well, too. You had the, I think, San Antonio Gunslingers. Is that right? I think, yeah, the Gunslingers, it San sounds Antonio. Right. Sounds right. Um, the Washington Federals. Okay. They had them because they played at RFK Stadium. And um, now, now they just have the Washington football team. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and why didn't we? No one mentioned the Federals. Remember, we were going on with all these names. We talked to Charles Mann and Trevor Maddich and all that stuff. No, how come no one came up with the Federals? They, do they still own that name? I don't know, but they, they probably would say, like, yeah, we're not going to go to the the league that we put out of business years ago that tried to come back or something. Is, now, now, what are the teams that are going to be in the new league? So I'm glad you asked. So there are, there are going to be eight teams to start with, right? Okay, right. And they said— Because they can expand, but they want right. eight solid so they don't overexpose Correct. it. But what they're going to do is it sounds like they're going to keep the old-school names of these teams. Okay. So if, if they have them in their cities, then they go, uh, the Jacksonville Bulls. I remember them. They, they, they had a team. I don't know how long they were around. Sounds uh, more like a team, the name yeah. of a minor league baseball uh, team than a football Orlando team. Orlando yeah. Renegades. The Pittsburgh Maulers. I, t- I kind of, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I see, I think, I think I've named almost all of them. I think those are the, um, there was one in Denver. The Denver Gold. I remember that. The Denver Gold. I remember seeing them play. Yeah, the New Jersey Generals. Yeah, we yeah that was we talked about that, that was Donald Trump's team. Yep, the, the, the guy with Herschel Walker. And yeah. yeah, so yeah, eighteen teams. So they're gonna have eight teams this time around, and they're going to keep the logo. They're gonna keep some of the old school names as well too. So, am I excited about it? No, not really. But people in Vegas, you know what that means? They get to bet on it. Another avenue to bet. Memphis Showboats. Yeah. Them trucks looking at me like, yeah, I remember the show, but I remember them because I always liked that name. I thought that was a pretty cool name, and there's some cool uniforms as well. Did you like the old Showboat Casino here in Vegas? I did like the show. They had a gigantic bowling alley. I used to do my show from the old uh, Showboat. Did you ever do yeah. any wrestling matches from there? 
I didn't because we already had our <laughs> venue. But believe me, I, I had some conversations with the showboat about bringing it back. From the fabulous but, showboat casino yeah. in Las Vegas. Yes. Here we, yeah. yeah. I used to spend a lot of time at the showboat, believe it or not, because I didn't live too far from there back way back in the day when I first moved here. And, uh, and again, for people food, that are new to Vegas food. that don't know, the showboat's an old casino. It's in a kind of seedy part of town yeah. now and that, but yeah, it was now, kind of a yeah. happening place back then. Yeah. And they had wrestling. They had like 120 old... bowling lanes or something. It was. Yes. They actually had two different levels of the bowling yes. lane. There was two different entrances in that. So. They were probably more famous for their bowling and their uh, their wrestling, you know, back in the day. Yeah. And uh, and they, believe it or not, the showboat had some really good food. My guy Scott Spritzer, he can attest this. Yeah. We just, we just go out to the showboat back in the day. Yeah. Right there, Boulder Highway. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Some good, good stuff there. All right. So, I'm impressed, Frank, that uh, you remembered about the the lawsuit and you knew the exact. Uh, yeah. No, know. I I saw. I, I think I saw one of those. Was it an E60 or a 30 for 30 on that and that? Because because yeah, a lot of people from that league absolutely despise Donald Trump because of what he did there. Mm. By the way, the more my memory was going way back even before because I'm old and yeah. that's just the way it is. The World Football League, that was way back in, like, 74, 75 in that one. I was still remember some of those yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. That before. was the old Chicago Fire. Correct. Because yeah. I remember one of the things from their league, and obviously long before the USFL, they had all these bright neon jerseys and stuff like that. And they used to sell them to the local stores in the Woodfield Mall and that kind of stuff. They were so bright. They should actually probably bring them back for, like, construction crews working night shifts <laughs> and that now because they would light up a room. Oh man, that's crazy, man. That's crazy. Yeah, I remember. Then there was the World League of American Football. Remember that? That was many, many years later, where they play in London and Barcelona. That's really kind of what brought to the forefront of the NFL doing all these exhibition. Well, not exhibition. You know, now regular season games there because the World League of American Football. You had Amsterdam and Germany, Frankfurt, and all that kind of stuff. No, is that where Kurt Warner? Along with the Arena Football League, he played over there in Amsterdam because he, he used he to did. talk about it. he used to he, did. he used to have to because yeah. he's such a religious guy that he used to have to walk by the dispensaries and the brothels and mm-hmm. everything else yeah. on his way to the stadium. Right. Right. And he said he'd be looking around there like, boy, you know, if, if there's a paparazzi in there, could in the United States like that, I'd be crucified for this. But it's literally where I have to right. go to get to my job. You know, like Vincent Vega said, you know, what they uh, put on French fries, you know, back in Amsterdam. Mayonnaise. That's just nasty. Yeah, I know. Awesome. <laughs> What's a quarter pounder with cheese? <laughs> Royale with cheese. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Uh, what do you call it? Call it call quarter pounder with cheese. So yeah. is, now is the XFL, are they keeping the old names too? Uh, I don't know. Or the, the cities XFL, or whatever? Yeah, I, I haven't heard anything about the XFL, what they're doing there. So, But, yeah, more competition. Here so the go. USFL is more out front about what they're doing in the yes. names and all that kind of yes. stuff. The XFL, maybe, because will there be another Outlaws team or something? I mean, with the Raiders already here and everything else going on here, I'm not sure what they would draw or where they would play. I don't see them playing in Allegiant Stadium. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, no. is Sam Boyd still going to be used for something again? Yeah. Because I got to tell you, seeing those games, I was out there some of those games when it was hot and nasty and that. Well, it was, I mean, it, it, during the winter months made sense, but June and July, outdoor football? No, I know. Not a big well, remember, you know, again, you know, back in the day when you, you brought up the Canadian Football League, remember the Las Vegas Posse? Yeah. They were in the CFL. Absolutely. And, you know, our, 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 our good friend, uh, um, Jim Fossil? No, not Jim Fossil. Um, Meyer was was, oh, yeah. was the head was the head coach. You know, and he actually was was a pit boss over at Arizona Charlies. Yeah, you know the former New England Patriots uh, coach. 
So, yeah, there you go. It, it is funny, too, and, and it's funny because I remember that I, I liked the XFL because one of the first shows I did was actually that I had on my own was Outlaw Monday where I would have the coaches on and some of the yeah. – like I had Rod Smart, he hate me on he hate me, yeah. a few times in that, you know, and yeah. he wasn't really making a name for himself. And, again, some of those guys from the XFL did go on to have semi-successful yeah. NFL careers and do some other things. Yeah. So, you know, I actually enjoyed the football. I still actually – I honestly thought that it would work yeah. or that it would have worked if – Vince McMahon didn't have to throw his name out there, right? Because that made it an easy shot for Tony Kornheiser and all the talking heads all around. It was too gimmicky, though. No, no, it yeah, was too yeah. gimmicky. But again, and and the other thing was, if they would have just gone with USA Network and stuff like that, and not tried to be on NBC, right. the numbers they got for the cable USA and stuff right. like that were good. But for NBC, for the network network, they were terrible. They they reached out too far in advance, right from the start. And they basically committed business suicide. Right. And see, that's what, what gets me here is now the XFL is saying with this news today, it's like, well, our season's still kind of in doubt. They're still getting their stuff together. But this has been two years in the planning for them to do a reboot with the XFL. But here, the XFL was always a joke where the USFL, you know, it was more innovative because they had the stars and they would have made it. The USFL, and if you ever saw like the old documentary, I think it was a 30 for 30, whatever, about the the USFL. Oh, it was quality football. It, was, it wasn't gimmicky, and they had good players. And, and actually, even some, and, even a little bit of depth, even though they competed. Yeah. We talk about the big money. But, they overpaid some of the superstars, but they had yeah. some good role players but there as well. it was real football oh, in real cities, and they treated it as a joke, and it would have made it. It actually would have made it, and if they, if they, and seriously, this is true, if Trump didn't Get involved and really go rogue. And oh he yeah, did. yeah. He completely he undercut rogue. it. He he, under- he destroyed the league he by overambition and his own ego. He did. And if they just would have said, okay, we don't need to compete with the NFL. Let's go ahead and be kind of that breeding ground and give people year-round football. Because again, in the eighties, I mean, people were clamoring for that. They loved it. And again, it was legitimate. They would have made it if they didn't spend recklessly. And, and it wasn't for Trump. Seriously, it, they, they would have made it. They could have probably still been going today if they know your role, know your niche, it's the spring, and keep doing what they're doing because people did enjoy that. I mean, 84 was better than 83. 85 was better than 84 and 83. And all of a sudden, well, now we're broke. And, and, and Trump went ballistic, and that's when the NFL said, oh, you want to try to compete with us? You know? I mean, come on. We were trying to be supportive. But yeah, yeah, now we're going to destroy you. And the irony of that whole thing that you just said there was with The Rock and the XFL trying to get in there as well. And why did the USFL fail? Because they didn't know their role and do everything else. There you go. Now we'll, smell, we'll see what The Rock is cooking now because uh, it sounds like it might be a bad recipe. And uh, maybe the XFL still won't be getting off, yeah, the, uh, yeah, just off bad, the burner. Bad investment move there. All right. All right, uh, Super Bowl news. Probably don't have a 2023 calendar in front of you yet, but if you do, you can go ahead and mark this date, okay? You want to do it? February the 12th. That is Super Bowl whatever number that we're on now. I don't know. That'd be LVII. <laughs> whatever that is. Uh, February 12th, 2023. The location of the game will be Arizona. And, uh, yeah, they previously, previously announced that back in 2018. However, the date of the game had to be reset after the NFL decided to expand the schedule to 17 games this year. So uh, there you go. That will be the latest Super Bowl ever played. So 
We've always talked about Valentine's Day. You're two days away, man. February 12th, 2023. Getting closer and closer. Yep. So I, I'm waiting for the one that's on Valentine's Day, the one that's on oh. February 14th, because then you're going to have to answer the question, which do you love more, the Super Bowl or your significant other? <laughs> <laughs> well, come on, it's a parlay, man. You can incorporate both there. There you go. Well, if you're lucky, maybe they also like football, and maybe it's a win-win both ways. Yeah. Or maybe it's a lose-lose. There you go. So I think technically it will be the second latest game, all right, on the calendar, February the 12th. All right. Yeah. And then it will lead there. right into maybe the USFL, XFL. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever's there. WNBL, I don't know. what they, Did they still play the, the Legends League, which used to be the Lingerie Football League? Did the ladies still play that? I Vegas not, uh, used to have a team. Yeah, I heard. I heard. I don't know. <laughs> All right, we come back. Nick Bogdanovich is going to join us. We'll talk to him about the betting board for tonight's NBA game. Also, look ahead to the Golden Knights and Colorado Avalanche. And, yes, we'll ask him about the fiasco that they're calling Mayweather Paul on Sunday. Now, more of your favorite personal sports physician. This doesn't sound like the usual mindless, boring chit-chat. It's the Dr. T.C. Martin. All right, get on over to any of those William Hill sports books and wager on a plethora of stuff. Now is the greatest time, isn't it? You have the NBA playoffs. You've got Major League Baseball, the NHL, the Stanley Cup playoffs. And, of course, we've got boxing, UFC, everything is happening, and you can still take advantage of the fifty-free dollars too. Use that promo code TC50 with that. If you open a new account at William Hill, deposit at least fifty dollars into a new account. They'll match it with an additional fifty. All kinds of great bonuses and the in-game wagering, fantastic as well at any of the William Hill Sportsbooks, the kiosks all around town. Speaking of which, we visit with our man Nick Bogdanovich, the director of race and sports with William Hill here in Vegas. What's going on, buddy? <laughs> What's happening? Everything, everything's good. Just busier than heck. What's going on with you guys? Oh man, you know it. Uh, just, just loving this time of year and everything, Nick. So we've let's start with some call, some uh, NBA playoffs tonight. I mean, two really big time games, and uh, the Damian Lillard show, as we saw just two nights ago, where he explodes for fifty five in a losing effort. Uh, I think that game went over the total uh, very, very early. Ended up 287 points in double overtime, 147 to 140. The Nuggets got the best of Portland in that game and a cover. This time we've got Portland at home. They're favored by five. Uh, talk to me about this game tonight, Nick. Yeah, no, it's uh, going to be hard to uh, repeat that one, that's for sure. That's an all-time classic. Uh, we opened the game four and a half. We're up to five. We opened the total 227 and a half. We're up to 228. So, they are betting the favorite and over in a must-win game, but should be a heck of a game. Obviously, the most competitive series of the of the bunch, and you never know when you'll see something special out of Damian Lillard or Jokic. I mean, he's a good candidate for the MVP. So, uh, good drama in that series, uh, and uh, been a very good one. You know, it's funny, Nick. That game had uh, Denver favored by two in Game Five. And then now in, in in Denver, you know, basically is a higher seeded team, and now you get to Portland, and the number is is even higher. It's at five. Uh, is that because people are just buying into it's must win for Portland? They played so hard, or is it because the Damian Lillard, you know, had fifty five in a losing effort, and people psychologically are thinking like, hey, you know, you know Portland's going to come out smoking, backs against the wall here. Yeah, it's a must-win thing. It's usually good for a half a point or a point. I mean, you get taxed for 
teams that are halfway decent and they're in a must-win spot. So, yeah, I know definitely getting taxed a little if you're playing Portland tonight. We know that obviously the NBA playoffs are big for the betting house, but is it important to you or does it matter to the book that the Lakers and Clippers might have an early exit in the playoffs, being marquee teams and with the uh, closeness, proximity to L.A. and that sort of stuff, or because it's the playoffs, does it really not matter? People are still going to bet it regardless. I think they're going to bet it regardless, but it would be nice to have the one of them around, and if we had our choice, it would be the Clippers because just a ton of tickets and money on the Lakers in the future, but we lose pretty good with them. Why on the flip side, we do really good with the Clippers. So I would like to see one of the two hang around, but if – if it doesn't happen, we still got Chris Paul and Luka Doncic and some good stories going forward. So I still think the handle will be okay. All right. So that is the nightcap tonight. The Lakers will host the Suns tonight. It's do or die for the Lakers. Who would have thought, huh? First round game. We could be talking about LeBron James' last game of the season here. The Lakers, a two point favorite. Uh, are you getting any backing with the Lakers, uh, Nick? Or is it just too hard to bet this team, considering what we saw? In game five, when they got blasted by 30. Yeah, we're dead even to it. So uh, the team that the public was backing blindly has slowed down because of the Anthony Davis injury. Mm-hmm. And rightfully so. They're a different team without him. So, yeah, LeBron is 14-0 and in first-round series. That's a pretty impressive uh, streak. That's obviously on the line tonight. So we'll see if he can put them on his back and get this done. Uh a bit. A part of me wants to see a game seven because the handle would be through the roof, and yeah. a part of me would love to see Phoenix knock the Lakers out and get rid of all that future liability. Yep, there you go. And we don't have to look at LeBron James complaining anymore. We don't see any more <laughs> flopping. We don't have to see any of that stuff. Arms up in the air. I mean, come on. So, Nick, which game of tonight is seen more handle, the Lakers-Suns game or the Blazers-Nuggets game? You know, right now it's very even, uh, but when it's all said and done, the other one with the two-and-a-half-hour shelf life and yep. the get-out the get out game of the night or press-up-your-winnings game of the night. Uh, so Phoenix and the Lakers will definitely do more business when it's all said and done, but right now it's pretty even. How does the handle on those games with a public team like the Lakers compare like to, for instance, last night when the Golden Knights were playing their hockey game? Uh, the, well, that was a very, very good a hockey game. It does, it still doesn't uh, compare to the NBA games. The NBA handles have been tremendous, huge, huge ones. Just like uh, some NFL decisions in the NBA playoffs. That's how big the NBA playoffs have been. But I got to tell you, the Golden Knight and Avalanche uh, getting drawing well. Very good action. Two point leaders for the year. Two best teams maybe in hockey, and uh, the betters are treating it like that. Uh, we look ahead to game number three tomorrow at T-Mobile, Nick. Uh, we anticipate there would be a lot of Golden Knights money. Uh, where are we at with that line right now, and have you already seen some movement? No, nah, it's too early uh, in the in the cycle. Just a little bit of money in the pot right now. We got Colorado $1.15. I mean, the million-dollar question is, uh, are the Knights demoralized, or are they going to show up and play like they did last night? If they show up and play like they did last night, they should get the win because uh, they did everything but win last night. So I was very impressed with their performance, and we'll see if they can bring it again uh, uh, Friday at T-Mobile. I hope they can. I'd love to see this game, this series go seven for many reasons. Oh, sure. Has there been any kind of a change on the series price when you're talking about the series? Because I heard at some places that when Colorado throttled them in the first game that all of a sudden they became an even bigger favorite, which I didn't totally understand because it's like, was it really that surprising that in the first game after Vegas just played a seven-game series that they might be a little flat in that game? 
Yeah, we're up to Colorado's minus seven dollars. Uh, Golden Knights plus five dollars in the series. So if you think Golden Knights have some uh, fight in them and a chance to win, you can bet a hundred to win five hundred. Go for it. So I think we're the cheapest price in town. Though uh, there's there's higher than seven dollars out there. I'm, I see seven fifty and eight fifty out there. You know, and you look at game number three in the must-win scenario. And like I said, the the puck could have bounced the Golden Knights way last night. They could have got that victory. And you're getting really Golden Knights plus money in game number three. That's got to be pretty inviting. And I got to imagine there are going to be people just hammering this game, Nick, and, and betting the home team in game three it plus money. I have a, yeah, I have a feeling we're going to need Colorado pretty big in that game, but it's okay. We We want Vegas to win and get back into the series. And, uh, you know, we got to make an, uh, one more run. Uh, you know, Flurry played great last night, uh, clean up a few penalties. Uh, I think we can get it done. Think about this, guys. When was the last time that we've seen the Golden Knights either at a pick 'em at home or, 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 or plus money here? I, I, I can't recall it. Yeah, I don't have the stats, but I, I have a feeling they haven't been a dog at home many times whatsoever, if at all this year. Yeah, and they were playing all the, all the garbage of the dogs, you know, all year in the regular season. We saw these, you know, minus two, 220s, 250s. Well, yeah, the bottom half yeah. of this division has yeah. been horrible. Yeah. And, and, and even we, the playoffs against Minnesota, we, we saw, you know, you know 165s and 185s right now. Well, Nick? we've also never seen the Golden Knights down 2 nothing in a playoff series. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but as they say, it's like, well, Colorado did what they're supposed to do. They just went home. Now well, let's see what the Golden Knights can do. So I, I'm just anticipating that there's going to be – well, people are always betting the Golden Knights anyway, but in this situation it just seems like, yeah, they're, they're going to be coming to the book, Nick. <laughs> they're going to be coming, and I, I agree with you. It, it would be great for this series to, to go seven games. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, you listen, we uh, – the, the very first year when they were 250-1 to one to win the Stanley Cup, that would have been a beating uh, that we probably didn't want to take. But we're, we're, we're okay now. The future liability is small. The game-by-game game will be small. So we'll gladly host the parade on the strip to, uh, and lose a few dollars along the way if they can pull it off. All right, Nick Bogdanovich joins us from William Hill. All right, Nick, we have been talking about the Sunday exhibition of Floyd Mayweather Jr. and Logan Paul. And yesterday we were talking about how there are not going to be any judges, and we know it's titled an exhibition, but we know a lot of people that are, are going to this thing in Miami, and they're excited. Showtime is trying to trying to treat this thing as, as a championship fight, and we realize it's a joke. But from a betting perspective, do you have this thing on the board? We know it's an exhibition, but since they're saying that, you know, hey, there's really not even going to be a winner announced... Can, can you have this on the board? Have you thought about it? Yeah, no, we want, obviously, anything with Floyd Mayweather, we want a book because he's gold in the state of Nevada. I mean, his fights draw a huge, huge handle, and he's won all his fights, and we've needed him in most of his fights. So Floyd's been good to the state, but we can't book it. It's uh, like like you said, there's uh, there's no winner, there's no judges. It's just an exhibition. So none of the, the sanctioning bodies would sanction us or allow us to to take wagers on it. So, yeah, no. In all of our legal jurisdictions, uh, we cannot book it. So was there discussion about this when this fight was announced, uh, you know, a month and a half or so ago? Were you guys thinking of, of booking it and even, like, prepared to to put a line on this? And then just got, yeah. you got to, like, a, yeah. the stoplight? Or tell us how that went down. Yeah, no, we we were prepared, but like in any anything, when it's uh, off 
you know, I, when, when there's when there's some cloud to it, we will always defer to the uh, governing bodies, and they, they said, yeah, this is a no-go. So that's fine. We'll just pass and wait for the next one. So you know, like the when 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 his brother fought Ben Astor and the Georgia State Athletic Commission sanctioned it. So it was all good. We had judges. There was going to be a winner declared at the end. So it was all good. So, But in this case, I don't know why they opted uh, for no judges and no decision. I do not know why they did that, but they chose it, and we're stuck with it. You obviously can't book the fight because it's not a fight. It's an exhibition. Was there ever any discussion of doing any of the undercard, like the Badu Jack fight or something like that, or with not having the main event, or was it just something that it's like you're just like you said, you're just going to pass and you'll go on to the next one when uh you know when people can bet the main event and maybe something else on the card. Yeah, we got we got a couple of the undercards. Uh, they're okay to go. Uh, Badu Jack and there's one other one, but yeah, no, those are good to go. All right. All right, Nick, appreciate the time, my man, as always. Uh, we'll look forward to talking with you again probably next week. And uh, we'll keep an eye on the Golden Knights, the NBA. It's just a great time of year right now. Have a good one, guys. There it is, Nick Bogdanovich over at William Hill. And I'm glad that I asked that last question, too, because it, just because you can't bet the Paul Mayweather fight, you can still get action on that card if you so want it from the other fights, like he said. So Yeah. And I don't think that any of the fights are, are going to do much business anyway. Well, no, exactly. Maybe Bottle Jacks would have done more if he was fighting the Pascal. original guy in exactly. that. Yeah, with Pascal, but, 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 but now yeah. it's kind of like just, again, the whole thing's kind of a, I don't know. I mean, it's, <laughs> I, I can't say I'm going out of my way to watch it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I totally understand. But it sounds like that you are actually contemplating about actually watching it. Is that the deal? Well, I've been kind of invited to somebody's place to watch it, but I think that person thinks it's on Saturday. And if it's on Sunday, the Vegas Golden Knights are going to be playing a game four on Sunday. It's the same that time will take too. my preference, yeah, it, it, you know, you the, know, especially if I get credentialed yeah. in and I'm going to the game. So, yeah, the undercard starts like at five. So Mayweather probably stepping in the ring, you know, a little bit after seven, seven thirty or something like that. Yeah, with the uh, yeah. Golden Knights game at five thirty. Oh, right. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. No, there's no doubt. No hard, doubt. hard to be two places at the same time. Yeah, so interesting. And I don't think they're going to have it on at the uh, and the media TVs and that up there. At not, the, uh... not at all. And, and I'll stand by what I said yesterday too. I don't think any sports bar is going to have it. And if they do, I mean, it's going to be minimal because again, you've got every screen is going to be on Golden Knights Avalanche. You're going to have some Yankees Red Sox diehard because that's only one of the best rivalries in baseball. So yeah, I, I just I can't see that making a screen, and you know, and you're going to have to pay for it. I mean, these bars, you know, it costs them a lot of money to do the pay-per-views. This is a Showtime pay-per-view. And, yeah, just just horrendous. Horrendous marketing there. All right. Denver living pretty large right now because both of their teams not only doing well in this playoff round, but, but both could go on and in, in, in play in championship series. How they, are the Rockies doing? The Rockies doing okay? Not so much. No, not this year. And Money coming in on the Broncos with the new quarterback that they're expecting to get. Th- that they're not going to have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that, I, I, I don't think that. I don't think they're getting him in any way, shape, or form. But uh, some people apparently have put money on it just because they actually think they might. So, I saw, which drives me. I, I don't get. I, I wish I had enough money that I could literally just flush it down the toilet. I saw it again yesterday. I couldn't believe you know coming coming out of the actually I think it was Tuesday coming out of the Memorial Day weekend, and it's like. Here's Aaron Rodgers' latest destinations. Well, wait a minute. Did you just not see the press conference that Brian Gutekunst had, their GM, in Green Bay? 
and he says, we're not trading Aaron Rodgers. Just said it. And then a national network came out and did it again. They did like this five-minute piece of, and they went to a lot of work with this. Here are the eight trading destinations, the spots for Aaron Rodgers, and they took each one and they went to all the trouble. Breaking it down. Breaking it down by draft picks and and which players that the Packers would package to each one of these teams. And they went like number eight, number seven, number six. I think like Washington was, you know, now here are the real contenders, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Here's what the Packers would offer the Steelers. You know, this is what the Steelers would give the Packers back in return. And and then it got and the number one destination. Did they do Denver, a drum roll? Yeah, didn't do a drum roll, <laughs> but it was, yeah, it was all pomp and circumstance. The Denver Broncos. Yes, and they had it. The, the draft picks going the next two or three years, which players would get thrown in the deal. It's like, uh, why? Why? Why are you doing all of this work to, for what? Because to fill programming, you're talking about filling programming. That's what these guys are doing. I mean, and it's not like there's, there's nothing else going on. Oh. You have the Stanley Cup playoffs. You have the NBA playoffs. You have the uh, f- football about to be starting. There other stuff. There's the French Open going on. We have the pre the the Belmont the Bel- coming yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. There's so many things going on right now, and they do this kind of garbage. Let's throw another one in the mix. Did they say that the big splash in the USFL is going to be Aaron Rodgers? Why not throw that one in there too? Because it ain't gonna happen. But what the hell? It's just it's it's ridiculous. Again, they just you know they want to hear themselves, and it's again if there's a story there and there is a legitimate shot that this could happen, that's fine. But when the GM on numerous occasions said we're not trading him, and again, why would they trade him? Why? Because you're not going to get equal value. Now, if some team, like the Broncos, if they're really going to package something like a Drew Locke and you know first-round picks for the next three years and maybe a punt returner like David Putney. See, I'm throwing that in there. You probably don't know where I'm going at. Yeah. Draft day, movie, Kevin Concert. Kevin Costner. It was just on. Yeah. Uh, it was just on. Of course, there is. Last weekend, there, there, yeah. So, yeah. There is no such person as David Putney. But anyway, you well, know, there might it, be. He's it, just not an actual it, NFL football player. Exactly. And Kevin <laughs> Costner is not an actual you know, general manager. So anyway, if there was a slight possibility that this could happen, I understand that type of journalism approach. But there isn't. There's no way in the world. And when the GM is saying it's not happening, and again. The drama that I want to see. You love the total chaos. I love. I love. I'm getting to love this chaos now too because I want to see. You know what happens here as we approach training camp. Is Aaron Rodgers going to show up? Because he has to show up. If he wants to get paid anything, he has to show up. If not, he's going to not only not get paid, but he's going to lose tons of money, fifty k a day at least. Okay, to start with. So of course he is going to show up. Of course, he's going to be wearing the green and gold like you don't like to call it the gold. It's not gold. <laughs> so what you're wearing today is not gold. That's, that's your, that's your, that's your that's Greg LeMond. Green. That's that, not even close exactly. to green and gold. Yeah. I never said it was green and gold. I, I know. I'm joking. Just right? like the stupid Packers yeah. don't know what yeah. green and gold is, but then their damn quarterbacks don't know how to spell their own names. <laughs> they don't know anything right up there. <laughs> Yet people still love them. They love them because hey, they make good cheese. Curds. They shouldn't be Relax. loved. Jeez, that's a Chicago. That's a 
Chicago hater Jeez. over there. Anyway, so yes, now I'm intrigued because not where is he going to go because he's not going anywhere, but how is this drama going to unfold and now it is going to become a circus in that locker room during training camp when everyone flocks to Green Bay, all the Packer fans flock to Green Bay because they're going to be allowed to go back to practices and watch all the stuff like they traditionally do each and every year, except they couldn't do it last year. So, yeah, Aaron Rodgers holds none of the cards. The Packers control everything here. The NFL should make them be the team that we see all the behind-the-scenes curtain stuff this year. Yeah, you, you can't make a team. You know, the Packers have always, when Ted Thompson was in charge of that, he turned down HBO because I, because he goes, I don't want that I don't care, here. make them. Yeah, you, you make them. You're the NFL. You're doing it. There's there's nothing that makes anybody anymore, as you know. Unions and players' unions and all that stuff. Yeah, not happening, man. But that would be interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah, you want to see behind the scenes with Jordan Love? Is that what you want to see? No, I want to Jeez. see some breaking fake news. Right. Donald Trump goes back to the USFL and signs Aaron <laughs> Rodgers to the new New York Generals team. What was uh, it, the New Jersey Generals? New Jersey Generals. Yeah, New Jersey Generals. Yeah, right. yeah, there you go. Not to be confused with the Washington Generals. Remember that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they. Uh, yeah. They. They were globe trotters, but not very successful at it. Okay. <laughs> Lakers last game tonight. I kind of hope so. Yeah. Me too. But I kind of think they win. If they win tonight, then I think they're going to win the series. Yeah. Boy, going off on a limb there. Yep. And again, you have no idea. I mean, look what the Clippers. Well, no, I don't. I Clippers just had... didn't show up last night. They sure showed up two nights ago against Dallas. Go figure, man. It's why you play the game. But. Clint Capella was right, though. You know, him and the Hawks, they sent the New York Knicks on vacation last night. And that was an atrocious game. He's talking to the big seven-footer. He's calling me during this game. He goes, are you watching this? And I go, I actually was going back and forth. He goes, this is horrible. I go, yeah, I can't watch it anymore. It was just a horrendous basketball game. Just the horrible high pick and rolls, the turnovers, the jump shooting, the threes, awful basketball. It was everything that the Portland series isn't. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> 287 points. We're going to see that again tonight? We'll see. I'm guessing not. I want... Give me 287 and I will bet the under. I will go to the book right now. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> All right. Go get your free uh, your free prize, by the way. Go, you know. A free prize? Yeah. When you go to your local establishment, you go get your free gift. Your free gift at the casino. You always get a free gift every week, don't you? It's on Friday. Okay, coming up. It's tomorrow. Yeah, it's tomorrow. All right, we'll be at Sunset Station tomorrow. I want to thank Tracy Murray. Which will have the free gifts at if you're a card-carrying and, member. And Nick Bogdanovich for joining <laughs> us. If you miss any part of the show, go to the website, tcmartinshow.com. We'll catch you tomorrow at 2.